I think that was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I saw a seagull in the middle of the road pecking at a pigeon that had been run over and spread about two or three foot across the road. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think this was worse. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. When you think it's bad, always, always remember Sky are paying millions of pounds every year into Aston Villa's bank account for the privilege of broadcasting <laughs> Aston Villa matches on primetime TV. How does this keep happening and why is it happening in such succession? Like, why are we getting a Friday night football? Why are we getting Monday night football? Why are we getting the Sunday, the Super Sunday billing before Liverpool Man City? How has this... How does this happen? How does Roy Keane always forget that Aston Villa are a miserable team to watch and he's always there for it and he's always he's always subjected to that misery and he always hates it and then the next time he forgets how bad they are he forgets that this happened only eight days ago nine days ago in this case now and I was looking at this uh, whole program with keen interest just to see how Gerard's mate Jamie Carragher would approach it and they really stumbled across a great formula what i'll do like he, he could tell in fairness him he started touching he started touching on the question there he didn't actually say that you know is it up to the manager the question he asked was is it up to the manager to help create more chances or is it up to the players to add more quality which is basically what gerard said we'll talk about that later carragher obviously knew the answer he was afraid to say but what he did, the formula that he came across was, I've got Roy Keane sitting beside me and I can just ask him this question. What do you think, Roy? And of course, of course, Roy thinks it's about courage and it's about bottle. <laughs> and it's about just fucking doing something. And Carragher continued. Every time a tough question would come up about his best pal, he would say, I mean, Roy, you're a manager. Mm, well, come on. <laughs> like that was 11 years ago now, his last, his last management job. You're a manager. Is it is it up to the manager or is it up to the players? I'm going to give you seventeen thousand pound. What Roy Keane will say every single time there. <laughs> yeah, but before the game as well, he was you know he was talking about the goals, the goals we've conceded and the and the goals we've scored and where we'd rank in the leagues based on those two metrics. Like you know we're grand based on goals conceded and relegation fodder based on goals scored. And then he went on to explain that. Managers often copy the managers who had the biggest influence on their career, like, you know, Pep and Cruyff, and now Gerard with Benitez. And you see, Benitez, and, and Carragher were saying all this in sincerity, you know, thinking he was defending his mate. Benitez, Benitez used to sort out his defence and then rely on a Gerard or a Torres to win the game for him. And Gerard got to continue to do that, and he's not doing it this year. And that was the end of the analysis from the top pundit on a company that pumps billions of pounds of money and billions of hours and decibels of hype into this league. Well, I suppose there's not much else a manager can do, I suppose. And and that pathetic analysis is one thing, but when it, where it's coming from is the really annoying bit. Do you remember that article he had a few weeks ago saying, Villa fans need a reality check? Mm. The headliner of the tweet said, reference my best mate, Gerard. Fucking hilarious, mate. Like, the most irritating thing is that he thinks he's being clever with the self-reference in there, with the acknowledgement that he's compromised. Yeah. Of course, it just makes him seem dafter because he's written it down. He can see it in black and white in his own words, so we'll assume he understands him. Gerard is shite. I am compromised. And he goes ahead and then publishes it. Like, the opening paragraph is something along the lines of Everton have the same number of points, but their fans are singing Lampard's name. Like he's not making the point he thinks he's making there. Like it's unrelated. This is an open paragraph of a different of a different article. Like he probably could have had three articles out of this. Gerard is shite. Mates shouldn't write about their mates. Everton fans are fucking thick. <laughs> Seven times in nine games now, Villa. Their XG for full time whistle, the full time whistle, their XG was under one. It's the lowest XG that Forrest have faced, obviously, this season. Gerard said after the Leeds game, you know, that they were a goal away from things looking better. <laughs> he was saying there, 
we were, we're a goal that we didn't score away from <laughs> from from two in a row. Imagine that. Imagine we had a beaten Southampton and Leeds back to back, but we didn't even. You can't claim you can't claim success out of someone you weren't successful, in. and now we've just backed up a Leeds draw with a Forest draw, and it is being put about there that it's it's four games unbeaten now. I think the way most people are looking at it, that it's two games now in a row that they should have won and didn't. Yeah, and we're talking about a team here in Forest that literally brought in 70% of their squad in the summer. It was 70% of their squad this summer, and we're only in the autumn now. Yeah. They, conceded, they conceded 21 goals in the first eight games of the season. Like They were an av- they have an average goal difference of minus two a game. Like They're no-hopers at the minute. And I absolutely agree we should all support the team through thick and thin. And anyone who's over the age of 12 has already done that. But when... <laughs> But we're in that thin phase, like we are now. Let's try to get out of it. Let's have a fucking sandwich. Throw the club at cabbage. Like we're fucking starving here. Supporting your club being poorly managed doesn't make you a good fan. It almost makes you complicit in the demise. It's like stop, stop staying positive. Stay positive for the people and the fans. That's good. That's great. In match days, it might make us marginally better. And fair fucks to anybody who can do that. Like honestly, absolute heroes. But I don't think you can counterbalance a manager who doesn't understand how to manage a football team by staying positive. It's like it's like asking Alan Wright to sit in a seesaw across from Tyson Fury. Like we're fucking we're at four wins in our last twenty games. <laughs> re- re- relegated Burnley, relegated Norwich, Southampton, who will be relegated this year, and Frank Lampard's Everton. That's a fucking disgrace. Mm. Yeah. That's that's now over half a Premier League season. That record is extending on towards now. I think that's that must be close to thirty eight full Premier League games that Stephen Gerrard gotten as well. He took over in November last year. Obviously, the season started uh, earlier this year. But let, let's talk about the goals. Of Forest went one 0 up. Mings, the Mings foul on Dennis. It's a bit clumsy. I thought it was a bit soft as well. I don't think Mings needs to do what he does, but he does it all the time. And gets away with it, but this time, as soon as Dennis gets touched, he, it's like he's playing dead. You know, immediately his body just stiffens up and he falls over, and gets the free. But then, you know, if I'm saying Mings was potentially hard done by there, I mean, what what's going on in this box? Like, this is a head height cross. It's not. <laughs> it's not even bent around the corner. It's not put on the back post. There's no bluff. It's, it's, I think it's misshit. And it goes in head height. How it gets in that far, like that's really disappointing. Young and Watkins just seem to clear a path for it to come in. How Mings just lets Dennis walk away from him, like that's weak. I don't I don't know how that's happened. Like in that <laughs> Roy Keane's right when he says that is soft, you know, just <laughs> letting players walk away from you. Where is the aggression in that moment? And how he's allowed to just head a ball that's coming in that low. I suppose it's expected. I'm saying disappointed, weak, and then just, yeah, it's pro- probably globally just expected that he is going to be allowed to head a ball from six yards out into the net. <laughs> yeah, I I think the free is soft as well. I mean, maybe Mings should be punished for moving his feet with all the grace of Harry Maguire with his shoelaces tied together. But that's <laughs> the point. Like, he doesn't really move his feet. Dennis runs into him and Mings fucks him away, kind of. But Tyrone, what are you doing? When the ball's coming into the box, I think he actually pushes Dennis towards the ball. Like, go on, you get after that, son. Emmanuel Dennis doesn't need your help to score, Tyrone. Like, is this is this how you've decided to defend now for the rest of the game? Are you going to see it in ninety minutes now, just pushing Dennis in the back? Get close to him, get contact on him when the ball is around. Get in front of him for fuck's sake. Imagine offering a centre forward that much space. Sorry, forcing him into that much space. It's the equivalent of a fucking parent diving out of the way of their three-year-old's pathetic penalty straight down the middle. Or <laughs> Varane picking up Lissandro Martinez for a header. And you're right, for the cross to make it that far, it was never higher than six foot off the ground. Uh, like, it's not even head height for Tyrone Mings. He ran up to it like he was hitting a penalty. If you're, if you're going to put the ball, your wall, sorry, over that far to protect the front post for some fucking reason, as if Morgan Gibbs-White's going to fucking put that into the near post. <laughs> Someone needs to be at the corner of the six-yard box to protect us from a miss-hit-free kick as well. 
Yeah. Now, that, I thought, in fairness to Austin McPhee, I thought there were players there to just, like, Buendia walks away in the other direction and uh, Young and Watkins. Watkins seems to get thrown around somebody very easily and Young just sinks too deep. And, yeah, like you say, Mings just pushes Dennis towards it. It's the embodiment of Andy Gray's commentary. Go on, son. Get your head on that one. <laughs> the equalizer. I mean, like, how often are we going to praise Ashley Young? I'm starting to... I'm starting to use Ashley Young now as a criticism of the regime that he hasn't been playing all along because he's been, he's been brilliant right back and left back since he's come in. Like, genuinely brilliant, not just... Isn't it good to see Ashley Young still able to move his body? He's actually been really good. He came on against Man City and he was potentially a man in the match. He, he was brilliant against Leeds, good against Southampton tonight at left back. I mean, I, I think the the suggestion was that he was going to be taken for pace by Johnson down the right and he didn't get at him once. Like Young just cut out a couple of balls and it seemed like he didn't have to defend. Now, he, one time he did have to defend, they walked out of the way for that, for that free kick they came in. But apart from that, it was great, and like this goal, I mean, at the seventeen minute phase, I jotted down that Aston Villa have now entered into the floating crosses realm. You know, just like they were one 0 down. This is now what they're going to do for the rest of the game. Just get your foot under it, hit it up high, and see what happens. And well, it just it just so happens that another John McGinn classic from right to to left lands on Ollie Watkins's head, goes down, it gets cleared by Yates, and gets cleared to the wrong fucking man because Ashley Young is lurking on the outside of the box and it's a great first touch, gets it out of his feet and ah, that connection, like the drop kick is running better than a drop kick outside of the boot, it's coming from outside the post, just creeps in it ah, beautiful perfect strike yeah, the, the hit is absolutely ridiculous from Young, I have, a, I have a WhatsApp here from an Arsenal fan, now a former friend of mine uh, that just says <laughs> Just says Ashley Young laughing emoji. I think the the implication there is that you know, oh my god, I can't believe Ashley Young is still turning out for a Premier League club. My response was the fucking worst thing about this is he's our best fucking player. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a it's a dreadful ball to the back post. I mean, if you're saying the Forest goal was the embodiment of Andy Gray's talking, this is the embodiment of the Steven Gerrard era. It's it's a floated ball played from 40 yards from the byline to 20 yards from the goalpost at yeah. the corner of the box to a centre forward with everyone else at least 10 yards away from him. And Watkins, Watkins does well to do something, I suppose. Yeah. And then Yates makes a fucking fool of himself. It's, <laughs> it's a pathetic dive. And the length of time he stays on the ground is a joke. And I mean a fucking Ed Byrne joke. Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yates was um, he was also culpable in the Ezra Kanza flashpoint. They 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 were suggesting afterwards that that should have been a penalty in their in their book, and then they, they were starting to roll back a little bit. This is Keenan Carragher, very very similar, almost identical to Tiago's one on Jesus, which everybody I'm sure would agree was soft as well. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was happy enough not seeing this. I don't think we were in any position. Do you remember John Carew? Was it against Bournemouth or somebody like that? He got a penalty. It was the corner of the box like walking in the other direction and someone trips him and got a penalty. And I always felt like, that shouldn't be a penalty. <laughs> what, they're just giving us a goal from, you know, they had 10 bodies behind behind John Carew. He was going in the other direction trying to get out into space and he gets a penalty for it. And I always remember that thinking, that's that's not right. There's something like, you know, be, maybe you need to be facing in the other direction or it needs to be a closer in the scoring zone or something like that. And this this was very much like that. Yeah, I actually remember one as well from Roy Keane. I don't know if it was from Ireland or if it was a Champions League game where he's running towards the ball and he's sprinting at a full speed and he's just going to get there in time and then he's going to get tripped. And he knows this and the reason it's so memorable because he's just lying face down nearly at the advertising hordes by the time he's booted the ball out of play. And he's just looking back, saying like, yeah, of course it's a penalty, you fucking moron. <laughs> and this is the type of thing that I would like to see Yates being punished for because it's so slow. But it's also the type of thing I don't want to see Konza being rewarded for because it goes down far too fucking easy. It's virgin on a dive. And mm. yeah, I don't want to see penalties given for that. Yeah. The only other talking point from another game that, that had few talking points, really, the disallowed goal 
it's a quick throw from Villa. We're, you know, we're not we're not you know getting treated to loads of uh, moments of genius or, or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! How far have we fallen? <laughs> so Matt Cash gets the ball back and plays the first time. We weren't time wasting trying to run the clock down from a throw. <laughs> Cash gets it straight back into play. But there he goes. He's down the right. Terrible ball across. Ramsey is free on the left and uh, he completely undercooks it. He just lift that ball up over to Ramsey. Um, it comes back out again. Does get it to Ramsey eventually, and the Ramsey shuffle comes in and he gets it onto his left, gets it across, and Watkins is fucking offside for about what ten minutes while this play is happening. Like, what, <laughs> what is he doing? Like, did you see the United Everton game last night? And it was, it was ridiculous and so annoying from a United point of view that their goal got this low. I think it was Bruno Fernandez's goal because Ronaldo was standing offside. At least Ronaldo was throwing a strop. At least he was doing something. At least there was some reason, not a very good one, why he was standing in an offside position. He was complaining. He was throwing his hands in there. And then he realized, oh, shit, I better get back in. And it was too late. I don't know what Watkins is doing. He's just looking at Ramsey as he's standing offside. <laughs> but yeah, the, the really annoying thing about this is imagine trying to steal a yard on Steve Cock. Like, <laughs> he, he, could, he couldn't run a bath. Give him a yard head start. You'll win the race even if it's only over a yard and a half. And you, you'll probably confuse them as well because you'll look out of position. But you're never out of position against Steve Cock. Just be onside. That's the only rule. And to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if that's if that's the extent of the pre-game instructions Watkins has given. <laughs> there was another one. Did you see that one that got blocked as well? Like Ramsey tried to get it across to Watkins. Decent block. But Walkers is also standing offside. Though I know he's he's anticipating Ramsey coming in line with him. But Jesus, he's playing like he's playing a very tight game there. I don't know if he got onside by the time Ramsey hits it. And also, he's not available until Ramsey makes it there. Who's to say that he will make it there? Get fucking onside. And also, Ramsey should have just fucking shot in that instance as well. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to be too critical on Watkins there because Ramsey makes two mistakes. He should shoot and he should play the pass immediately. He takes a needless touch as well. Let's fucking find out if it's Watkins we're giving out to here. That's 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 what we give out to him. Play the fucking pass first. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's the talking points. We'll get into WhatsApp wages. Two men getting fined a week's wages before we go anywhere. Ashley Young, you're absolutely brilliant yet again, but you know, that second minute cross with the left foot going straight out of play. That's an automatic week's wage is fine. Sorry about that. Matt Cash gets paid, he gets away with it because his only went out for a throw <laughs> at the far corner flag, and I don't feel great about that. Uh but look, that's the rules. It didn't go out for a goal kick. So well done, Matt Cash. You get paid for keeping your cross within the within the within the confines of the two end lines. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, both of those really set the fucking tone for the game today as well. And I didn't know Ashley Young was going to up his game, but I fucking knew what we were going to be doing from there on. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Louise also being fined diving as a form of defending. I can't, I can't be having this. Like, it's just, we have to stop it. We keep bringing it up when it keeps happening. And just another moment in the middle of the pitch where Douglas Louise thinks it's better to go around holding his face and wait for the play to end before he picks himself back up. Absolutely fine. You're the defensive midfielder. Get up, get back. Yeah, and he actually looked up as well at, at the referee and saw that the ref wasn't doing anything and then just lay back down. I mean, what the fuck was that about? That, that made it... Imagine imagine being able to make a dive while, a dive while mm. defending worse what a fucking accomplishment and it's the biggest thing he achieved in the fucking pitch today <laughs> let's get into the first whatsapp one is Coutinho boycotting the Qatar World Cup <laughs> is, that, is that what's happening did he take a look at the Brazil squad and thought, ah, you know, I, know, I know I have been playing quite recently but I don't know if I can just keep this going for another four months like that. that's a big ass they, they stay ahead of those boys there's a lot of competition there like he's so far down the pecking order now and what what did he do tonight? He got another whipped off after an hour. I, I remember he had one nutmeg and then completely blazed it over. And that's it. Like That's all I can remember from him, really. Didn't hurt him whatsoever. Didn't get into any positions that would hurt him. There really is a conundrum here. It's like, 
it plays out left, it doesn't affect the game. <laughs> he plays number 10 he doesn't affect the game <laughs> he plays number 10 he's coming too deep it's, it's obviously part of the system as well that we're not getting a lot of players around him to play off but Jesus he's completely ineffectual ineffective I, I, I think you're wrong I think he, I think he did plenty tonight he, he did he didn't play the ball quickly enough. <laughs> he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't see the passes when they were on. He completely ignored Jacob Ramsey's runs past him, which is the whole point of playing them in the same side, I would assume. But he did run around like a fucking idiot for most of the game, <laughs> dropping in too deep, taking the ball in positions you don't need him to be taken in, not holding the line, coming back out, running around in circles, starting that Gerard arc from one corner flag to the other <laughs> via the halfway line. <laughs> That is why Gerard loves him so much. Like he, he does have that Gerard arc down to a T. <laughs> honestly, how how peripheral are Villa? Like we'll probably get in more into the the general tactics and on how we're playing at the minute. But it's it's funny at this stage how pathetic they are trying to break any bit of resistance down. Yeah, I mean, there was a period of about fifteen minutes to go when we were knocking around, knocking the ball around in that sixty-yard semicircle. Stephen Gerrard's trademark pattern of play and Fruller just came smashing into the back of Buendia just as he was popping it out to cash so he could start the fucking arc of death again around the other side and my reaction to Villa winning a free kick at the edge of the box was what are you doing because I just couldn't believe that Fruller could be so fucking stupid like had he not been watching the previous 30 seconds of that match because Villa had just gone around in a semicircle twice they were going to do it again. Nobody was taking a risk. It was unbelievable. The absolute moronic nature of that tackle was incredible. I can't, I actually, had that been Mings or Konza, I don't know what I would be saying now. Yeah. They'd definitely be up for the What the Fuck Award later on. <laughs> completely unnecessary. The second WhatsApp one, is it actually 2014-15, the last time we scored a free kick? <laughs> I think it might be. I think Benteke against QPR might be the last time we scored straight from a free kick. How, how can we have scored more corners in that time? Like it's not. It's not like it's a fluke, you know. Like oh well, it's just a week that you know two corners happen to go. This is seven years of a sample size, and we have way more corners statistically scored going straight into the net than free kicks. And we've had some players who would fancy themselves as free kick takers over those last seven, eight seasons. Even right now, we're supposed to have loads, but it's fucking crazy. How can Douglas Louise find the top right corner from a corner and like, be so bad from free kicks? Why does Coutinho always just hit it off someone's face? What is going on? <laughs> it, is, it is hard to explain. You can see them all lined up. They're just taking turns at not having any confidence in hitting a free kick anywhere near the net. That's unbelievable. I certainly don't have any confidence as I watch them lining it up. They're kind of... No one's even telling the other person to go away. They're just kind of standing there waiting for somebody to miss the free kick. Mm. It's unbelievable. And you could see Douglas Louise had one from the corner as well. The wall definitely wasn't too far back, but he was whinging about that far too much. And if the wall wasn't wasn't back far enough... That don't hit the ball towards the wall. Fucking cross it in. You're at a shit angle to be shooting anyway. And the other thing is, he got it about fucking four yard, four foot off the ground. Yeah, that wall could have been on the fucking goal line, and it wouldn't have gone over them. <laughs> the last WhatsApp range is. Some people might think it's a bit extreme. I really don't think it is. Is this any different than Steve Bruce? <laughs> You know, put a pile of players, a pile of good players on the pitch and just hope it works out. Tell them to stay narrow. Tell them to stay up for it and then see what happens. It's it's quite fitting because today Steve Bruce was finally sacked by West Brom. He got appointed in February, so I would say it's eight months after he should have been sacked by West Brom. But they've finally <laughs> taken the decision, 22nd in the championship, to, to, to get rid of him. And this Villa team, this this setup, it's just reminding me of that. Like we 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 know it can be better. It's and sometimes you wonder, like, are we just rating these players, you know, more 
more than, than we should be because we're seeing them all the time. We're not. I listened. Uh, I found one second opinion and I, I, I took that as you know, that's, that's all I need to hear. But I listened to the Square Ball, the Leeds podcast, and, and they were talking about Villa's players being good. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God I'm not absolutely crazy. And, and they're their way of putting it and it was quite well put it was like why why do they have these players if they want to play like Burnley you know mm. just, just get all their players at least Everton but Tarkowski and Cody you know they're leaning into what they want to be so they'll have this mishmash of quality attacking players that Keane and Carragher and Gerrard all talk about afterwards but they're not doing anything they play with them and it just reminds me of Steve Bruce just just get them on the pitch and then hope something happens. But the only thing that we'll tell them to do is stay tight and compact. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll be there, thereabouts. I think it, it's reminded <laughs> me, it's, it's reminded me of the Bruce era in terms of style, but also in terms of results. And it, you're right. Steve Bruce was given everything he wanted. He was given all the best players in the championship. And Stephen Jr. has been given a lot of fucking players as well to add to the, methodical squad building that had been going on before that and the players are definitely good Emmy Martinez has fucking transformed Argentina Poland are fucking are a brilliant international team Matty Cash plays for them Luca Dina plays for the world champions you know these the two centre halves were in the England squad and we thought Konza was better than the one who was in the England squad Konza should be Konza Jamie Carragher wanted him in the England squad last season Two Brazilian midfielders, you know, this is until this fucking debacle started. Scotland's best player, we've got good players all over the pitch. Ollie Watkins was in the England squad up until this fucking debacle started. You know, Danny Ings is lethal, <laughs> according to every fucking commentator in the world, until this debacle yeah. started. You know, it's absolutely, it's absolutely not any better than Steve Bristol. We're gonna point a game, Conan. We've won four yeah. games games in the last 20 were absolutely dreadful we're we're relegation fodder at the minute if anybody thinks that these players based on who they are are going to keep vast and up they're wrong with this manager we're going to get in a relegation battle for the rest of the season it's it's we're a shambolic setup with a set of good players that we know can do better than this it seems i think it was probably around this time as well a year ago that Steve Bruce got unloaded by Newcastle. <laughs> you know, another decision that was taken far too late. I mean, talk about being blessed by the gods. And at the time, we were talking in October after he got sacked by Newcastle and we were predicting that you know, that, that might be it. That that could be the <laughs> for Steve Bruce. But then we did realize that some other chump will come along looking for the, the magic that he has. I'll just play a little bit from that episode. Ah, is it not a wee bit funny that Steve Bruce knows everyone calls him a cabbage head? <laughs> he was promoted four times, O'Connor, so give him his respect. What everyone forgets, of course, is two of the teams he got promoted. He also got them relegated the year before. Ron Saunders, 40 years ago, challenged people saying, do you want to back against this? When he was going for the fucking title, what was Steve Bruce's equivalent? We just got to keep our heads down and we'll be there or thereabouts. <laughs> and that was just him trying to trying to scrape into the top six of the fucking second tier. We're talking about the Premier League here. There are 211 football federations. There are more football federations than there are countries. There are 24 <laughs> tiers in England alone. 24 and there are 40,000 senior men's teams. And Steve Bruce is at the very, 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 very top of the world, not just England, the world. I remember Gary Neville really arrogantly on Sky Sports there the other night said, you know, he's managed a thousand games, by the way. It's like, that's not a good thing. That's not something positive. That's an absolute indictment of the chairman in England, how lacking in imagination they are, that this man has bumbled towards a thousand games, a thousand Mm. games. But he hasn't been good since 2011. He hasn't had any sort of decent spell since he was finishing mid-table with with Wigan. You know, that was the last time Steve Bruce did anything of note. That was 10 years ago. And the game has moved on so much since then. Yeah. He said it might be his last job. I will uh, believe it when I see it. (laughs) 
Yeah, so it never just, uh, just came back for Steve Bruce, did it? No, Steve Bruce had West Brom written all over him. I mean, that was how <laughs> he didn't think that was going to happen is, is unbelievable. <laughs> That's the perfect fit for the way that club was going and the way Steve Bruce's career had plummeted out of control. Yeah. And it's funny, it's an all-around anniversary today as well. It's, it's also, Jesus, it's, it's like, what a... What an intersection here! Now we're talking about Steve Bruce, talking about Stephen Gerrard, and it's also four years since Dean Smith took over from Steve Bruce as the Aston Villa manager. So we'll go to the award categories with our little Dean Smith audio bit. Dean Smith is a brilliant manager who gets the best out of this incredibly limited squad. Great to see the away fans stay afterwards and the volume of Dino, Dino, Dino ringing around. This is what happens when a well coached team plays an uncoached team. It's a fucking joy to watch. Joy to watch. Uh, dang, Dean Smith's doing a brilliant job. brilliant job. To actually take him back to the Premier League. Premier League. And it is such high risk, high risk, high risk. But that's okay. okay. That is what life is all about. Yeah. Risk taking is where you find the joy in life. And Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith, Dean Smith has never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. He was the first across that void, that parted sea, the divide between the boys and the girls in the school disco. And Solskjaer's just in the fucking corner getting the wedged. Corner getting the wedged. Villa are in a good place right now. Right, right. You know, I've had so many people say to me it's the best day they've ever had in their life. So. The Remig Yard. Are you even bothered, Award? <laughs> Normally we would start with the Rosenthal Award. I think everybody knows what the Rosenthal Award winner is going to be. <laughs> so to that end, I thought we need to talk about John again <laughs> because we got a lot of tweets, people asking uh, about John again on, on the Villa podcast at Twitter, if you're not following us. Tom said, can we have a whole new category for that John again diving header? Jack oh, said, how many categories will John McGinn's header be nominated for? John McGinn... Uh, I mean, obviously that header has to win the Peter Enkham and What the Fuck Award. Potentially, there, there's a couple more nominations there. Has to win the Rosenthal Award. I think McGinn was in there to win the Ashley Westwood Award, probably in the first half, and then he came onto the radar far too fucking much for my liking in the second <laughs> half. Um, I mean, the shots blocked. We tried a nice routine from a corner. It was actually annoying. Remember the, the Dougie corner? You know when you're watching football with somebody who doesn't care about football and you find someone to say to them that might get them interested and it's like oh this boy has scored two corners and she's she's up she's like what yeah straight into the top right corner anyway, taking liberties with their details um, <laughs> she's not gonna check yeah so we're watching like we're here we go like Douglas Louise is a corner he takes it short and you're like oh what the fuck but it's a good idea because of course everybody's watching the line they're all freaked out about Douglas Louise and there it is it's rolled out for John again and of course he gets blocked he always gets blocked just takes too long to hit his shots every time. Floating crosses and rather than rather than hurt his brain trying to think about what else can I do, he'll just I'll just stick my foot under here and just backspin it up into the air, see what happens. He lost the ball in the second half, just sleeping on it, sleeping on the ball in the in the middle of the pitch up in their half. Wake up and the length of time that it took him to get back. He, you know when you lose the ball, 
it's it's the one time that you you really make sure that you're the first person back. Like you have to you have to just rectify it in whatever way possible. And he dragged his arse back the way he dragged his arse through that second half, knowing like John McGinn knows now he's going to get taken off. And that's not a good place to be for a footballer. Always just expecting to get brought off, waiting to be brought off because because you know yourself you're not playing well. This is the captain. Yeah, it's grim. He, I, I actually thought he started off all right until he did his fucking Jimmy Hoffa impression and like, until he reappeared then for that. What, <laughs> what, what, what would I call it? I suppose people know what I'm talking about if I say header, even though it, it can't really be described like that. Maybe I'm actually being harsh. Maybe you're right. He didn't actually disappear. He also did a lot of shit things in the game as well. I mean, he, he played he played a lot of atrocious passes. Like, yeah, if you're saying he's just avoid having to think. I was going to call him a headless chicken there, but didn't make the fucking headless chicken live for 18 months. I mean, I, I really fucking hope McGinn doesn't survive in this team for that long because that would just be too appalling a vista. <laughs> and this is like, it, it isn't it bizarre that we were worried about this from the outset? Like we, whenever McGinn was made captain, my biggest fear was that he was going to become undroppable. Like that, that's what I was. That's what I was worried about, and mm. it's proven to be right. I know he is being taken off, but why the fuck did he? Why are you continuing to start somebody that you have to? You have to take off. Yeah. Between sixty and seventy minutes because he's playing so poorly. He's either not in the game. Or he's doing fucking absolutely bonkers, brain dead shit that nobody should be getting away with at this level, let alone your captain. The floating balls. I mean, my this guy's a centre midfielder. And he's yeah. playing passes from centre midfield, like a centre half who's under pressure. He, he, he's a f- moron at the minute. And he needs to sort himself out. And maybe, and this is the thing, maybe the thing that he needs is to be taken out of the team. I was calling for this during Smith's reign. <laughs> John McGinn needed to be saved from himself. He needed to be taken needed to be taken out. How many times have I said, what does John McGinn need to do to be dropped? Yeah. Yeah, nobody's in any doubt that he's a, a good lad around the place. And... Something he's not a good like, get around the place that matters, the fucking pitch. No, this is this is what I'm trying to figure out why he's not dropped. Like it must be it must be he must be so affable, so likable that he, he he makes it back onto the pitch. He generally he didn't work hard for that one they lost the ball and he really like I was really disappointed in how long it took him to get back for that for that moment. Just hoping somebody else would win the ball and it wouldn't come to a goal, like you know, it wouldn't come to the punishment that, that it deserved, really. But it generally works hard, so people. But I sometimes I think it, it works too hard as well. Expends too much energy in the wrong places, and yeah, it d- doesn't put it into his brain too often. Like uh, I don't know, it's 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 baffling. It really does need a reset. You're you're right. I actually thought he started well as well for the first you know, few minutes before Forrest scored a goal, really, and 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 then. John McGinn, who is the captain as well, he is sort of the personification of what happens to the team. Then, as soon as as soon as that bit of pressure is applied, and then just fold. He starts well, he's looking up, he's playing a few passes, and then for a score, and he just crumbles. He's got nothing to do with the goal, but suddenly he's playing with fear. And <laughs> I probably repeat myself now, but the ironic thing is, you're not you're not you're not playing well. So you have no standard to to drop off from don't worry about it like what what are you so why would you be so cautious the way you're playing at the minute because whatever you're doing isn't good so just take that risk because right now the, the alternative isn't good yeah and it is a weird psychology people get into their heads well and it's really weird whenever it's a professional footballer who's captain of one of the biggest clubs in the country as well but when they get it into their head and they think that they're being cautious by fucking floating balls down the line or floating balls towards that's not being caught that's losing the ball yeah from center midfield trying to play a pointless pass that was never on and was never going to work and wasn't a good idea if it did yeah yeah they're happy to lose the ball doing something even more stupid than actually lose it with the ball at their feet for some reason that's less forgivable in their heads like you still lost the ball um, well, let's go to the Rossenthal award. We had the disallowed goal, obviously. Uh, Ramsey had a lovely turn. It was a John McGinn pass. The pass wasn't anything special. Ramsey was open. They played at him. And it's just a great turn, great bit of bodywork from Ramsey to spin away from the defender. And uh, that's the one we're talking about, like walking standing offside. I thought Ramsey, yeah, probably should have passed it earlier or he should have just shot. He didn't do either. And then the Douglas Louise, left footed in swinger, great. 
Great cross from the right wing. Takes it on his left foot. Watkins' header. It's a good save, but could he have done more? He gets it down, but I, I don't know. That should be all we expect from him to get it down. I feel like he could have gotten it across the goals and into the net, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the cross is is perfect. Like it, it's it's really really good from Douglas Louise just to go past whoever that loser was at left back. Imagine getting skinned by Douglas Louise after a heavy touch from him. And <laughs> the header's pretty good. Yeah, like he probably should put put a bit more power on it and put a bit more direction on it. And as much as I don't want to say it because he's a useless piece of shit, it's a decent save from Henderson. <laughs> no, that is a good save. The winner, the winner has to be John McGinn. Let's 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 talk a bit more about the diving header because Watkins gets it on the byline. I think it's too much put on it by Buendia, and Watkins dinks it back. And here it is, John McGinn is coming charging in. Everybody wants to see him more advanced. We're 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 stifling him. Aston Villa is holding him back. Like look look what he does in Scotland. Look at the effect he has. Just just released John McGinn. He's got time. He's got space. He's got a clear sight and goal. He's got a ball bouncing up perfectly for his left foot, and he slides head first along the ground. And like, you know, instead of just ramming that home with his good foot on the bounce, he slides along the ground on his belly, and he flicks it away of his head. And the worst thing is, I I think it looked like he was. He was aiming across the box. It looked like he was trying to put it away from the goals. I think he might have been overthinking this again and thinking, I'll, I'll get a nice pass that nobody's expecting here. Yeah, nobody was expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think that was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, I, I saw a seagull in the middle of the road pecking at a pigeon that had been run over and spread about two or three foot across the road. <laughs> I, I, I think I think this was worse. I, I I really I really can't explain it. It was it was nauseating. I I wanted to get sick while watching it. It was so bad. Everything about it. The the, the decision to go in for a diving header there. It was just absolutely baffling. I mean, we've we've already called them brain dead, so we don't need to go back over that. Hmm. But even the execution of it, it's so far off target, Connor. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable. He's in the middle of the goal, so he's managed to head the ball at least six yards in the wrong direction. It's 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 insane how far wide that was going to go if it had anywhere near enough power to even make it to the end line, that is. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Like, I, I think... I, th- I think he, he might have been trying to play it across the box. He, he he sort of looks that way. He hits it. He not only hits it with the side of his head, he then flicks it further to the side. Like I, it was such a feeble header, you're right, that it wouldn't have got, gone too far, but it looked like he was trying to tee up the next runner who would then hit it with their foot <laughs> or also dive in with a sliding header. I think it was just so, it's so bad and so baffling that you're... You're almost giving him too much credit. I know that might sound a bit weird given the previous five minutes of this conversation, but I think you're just confused by how bad it was that you're you're looking, you're reaching for another explanation because it couldn't possibly be the case that that was an attempt on target. <laughs> yeah. The Peter Eggman What the Fuck Award. The John McGinn header is nominated. Yeah. <laughs> um, then there's two other nominations. One of them could actually win is Douglas Louise headbutt. What is he? What is he thinking there? Like that? That's very lucky. That that's that's VAR in a bad mood away from mm. being down to ten men with what 12, 13 minutes ago. It's just after the Jacob Ramsey and Nico Williams incident on the on the left wing for Villa, and then Douglas Louise somehow in the middle of all this is just head to head with someone and does that stupid thing where he flicks his head down the the player's nose very lightly, not not in it. As, as you would say, but you know, it's enough for a referee to send you off, really. Yeah, but if he gets sent off there, we're going to be annoyed at Dougie, the lad, and the referee. Like yeah. we're going to be, we're going to be pissed off at everybody. That's the type of incident that it was. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Like I'm, I'm more annoyed about Douglas Louise's performance. I mean, we might as well have had Amelia Earhart in midfield. To be honest, I mean, he was so lost in there. He, he goes missing constantly in games, especially when he's playing in this number six position. And like you said about him before, weird things happen to his head whenever he's playing a number six, and just yeah. add this fucking headbutt to, to the list. Yeah, <laughs> there was two incidents where Tyro Mings headed a ball clear. 
and Douglas Louise, the furthest man forward, he's trying to take it down on his chest, you know, where walking should be. And you wonder, how, how have you ended up there? And there was another one where he's trying to keep the ball in play and he's sliding along the the, the advertising hoardings past the end line. And once again, it's like, what? Why you? Like, why, why you don't do this when you're playing number eight? How do you? How do you always end up in these bizarre positions when you're supposed to be the anchor of midfield? That's it's crazy. You can't handle it. The only other nomination for the what the fuck award is uh, Cameron Archer's clearance of Douglas Louise's free kick. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, this one he actually is trying to pass the ball back across. <laughs> He just he just gets too much on it, Connor. He's headed it too well, if you will. But it's a fucking crazy decision as well. Given that all the talk about Cameron Archer is that he's a goal scorer, fucking try to score a goal. Like, why do people try to pass the ball when they're in the six yard box? It's it's rarely the right decision, if ever. Just fucking stick your nut in that and put it towards the net. Dean Henderson's the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's 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 like what I'm saying about say John McGinn's level of performance like what are you afraid of it, it's so low at the minute so so don't worry about it just, just try something it'll, 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 it can only go up and with Aston Villa players like this overplaying it is weird like we, we don't create chances so just have a fucking shot no like it'll be one of the four shots that we get for the whole game don't like <laughs> that will actually be a positive we'll talk about that we'll be like oh we had that that one chance when we got an effort on goal or just over the bar have a, have a shot like we're not doing anything else and definitely like there's these elaborate uh, these elaborate solo runs that people are going on thinking that you know I'm going to create something here that nobody else on the same wavelength with it, it, it never works it hasn't, it hasn't I don't remember the last time it has worked probably when Benteke had a free kick in 2015 <laughs> yeah like I always say as well though if the fucking if the pass is as difficult as the finish fucking try to score because you're just adding in an extra element that's yeah. completely unnecessary because then you're you're just passing the book to somebody else to try to score with as difficult a chance as you had so you've just created two things that are more difficult than the one thing that you had <laughs> fucking head the ball Cameron we're on here bumming you up last week <laughs> yeah, yeah everybody had a, had a lot at stake with that cross coming <laughs> in <laughs> Um, you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. I, I tried, like, I, I wanted to be a bit not that I wanted to be positive. I was conscious that I haven't included the Tim Sherwood replay two number 10s and bamboozled them category in a long time. That's not your fault. I know, I know, I know <laughs> but I went looking for one today. Like, there has to be something. And, and Gerard said afterwards about tweaking the system, I, I didn't fucking see it. I just saw Buendia playing instead of Bailey, really. His um, one other option because he fucking decided to go into the season without an extra attacker. <laughs> and the only thing I could come up with was he, he swapped Ramsey and McGinn, the, their sides. You know, McGinn was playing on the right again and Ramsey was playing on the left. Swapped them back to the original, just like yeah. he swapped back to the two number 10s. He'll go back to the diamond now next week as well and Ramsey and McGinn will be switched across again. I think that's the only thing I could think of. And, and then I'm sort of touching on it there with the Archer header and the over-elaborate plays that we're trying when nobody else is is playing that game. It's, it's I think it's the individual patterns that we're seeing, not even patterns, individual plays that we're seeing. Did you see the Watkins run? on the right hand side <laughs> fucking sprinting towards the corner flag there are three red shirts all around him the whole way they're they're all just jockeying him down towards the corner and he eventually just gets it stripped away from him and the three players come running back out and it's what 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 were you going to do if you did make it down there like it was crazy but but also okay yeah let's fucking go like that, that's what that's what you're thinking <laughs> And he's thinking that, and the players are probably thinking it too. It's like there's nothing else on. Like, yeah, might as well have Watkins try to run at them. And it's just that. It's it's it is continuum. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm weary of 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 being overly harsh on him, even though I, oh, he wasn't good at all today. But he's he's, he's trying to sort of he's trying to maneuver and manipulate the ball in certain ways, get a get a bit of space. But he's always on his own. When Diaz coming in the midfield and trying to drag it. He's, Try and do it himself, get the ball in midfield and drag it forward and eventually it comes on his own. Everybody's just on their own. It's 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 crazy. And you know, Roy Keane's talking there afterwards about 
yeah, no, no bottle this Villa team. You know, all the attacking players they, they don't do enough to win the game. <laughs> what a surprise! Yeah, exactly. Very simplistic, outdated approach, and no surprise to any of us who's seen or, or heard how that Arden camp ended up operating towards the end. You know, and he said it's a lack of courage from the attacking players, but. But they, they are all isolated, and the only instruction seems to be, and remember Gerard said, and this is a year into Gerard's reign as well, he said, we had to sort out to defence first before we could start looking at the, the attacking side of things. But the, the only instruction seems to be, don't be left too open, don't leave any gaps. So it's 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 really not just a case of telling boys, go out and make something happen. Like Even if you want to believe football in the Premier League is still that easy. The players that Keane and Gerard are pointing a finger at for not pulling someone out of the verses, like they're handicapped by these defensive instructions and the shape of the team. They're just complete, everybody's left on their own. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about at the start. I mean, the idea that Steven Gerrard is, you know, has learned from his biggest influence, Rafa Benitez, where he was relying on Torres to score a goal. That was fucking 15 years ago. The, yeah. the game has moved on. A little bit since then. Let's let's be honest here. And it was always going to do that. Like I've said before, everybody knows how to defend now. It's not fucking difficult. So if a manager cannot set a team up to defend, they shouldn't be working in the Sunday League. Never mind in the fucking Premier League. And now top managers need to know how to break down that because every team can set up well defensively. (laughs) So if you're a top manager, you'll be able to do that. If you're not, you'll not be able to do that. And it's very fucking easy to pick out the ones who can and can't do that. For example, teams who have scored seven goals after nine games. And the really annoying thing about this Steven Gerrard situation is that I didn't spend three years laughing at Man United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was shit. It was because it was so clear that nothing was going to change from so early on. Yeah. Because you can't see any progress. You can't see what it is he's trying to do. You can see exactly what Steven Gerrard isn't trying to do. That's set up a team that will be able to break down all their teams and win football matches. He's not trying to do that. And the most illuminating thing about all this was afterwards when he got to discuss his master plan. Let's do the Steve Bruce. We need to dust ourselves off. Worst post match. <laughs> Worst worst post match interview moment. Four four nominations here from Stephen Gerrard's Sky Sports interview. He said, "We needed more quality in the final third, and if we got that, we would have had three points. You know, if we if we had they had bollocks, if we got the goal against Leeds, somebody just scored a goal against Leeds, we'd be further up the table." <laughs> second, I'll just give you the four. Second one. There was nothing wrong with the performance up to a certain point, but I feel like I'm saying that too much lately. <laughs> yeah, you fucking are. And he said that with a little bit of a bite, like, you know, these these fucking lads. You know, what do you, what do you want me to do here, Jeff? We were working on trying to get more bodies in the box and trying to find more quality, trying to find some magic. And then the, the worst of it all is looking at changing room. Coutinho, Buendia, Bailey's almost back. <laughs> Walking Zings. I need these players to step up and go and be match winners. It, it, it really just hit home for me. We can see it with our own eyes anyway, but he doesn't have an idea. He's, he's saying it there on a Sky Sports interview. He's not even trying to talk a, a good game there. He, he really does just believe. He actually doesn't even see the, the, the possibility that somebody would be able to criticize what he's just said there he, he doesn't see that it's a complete blind spot that him coming out and saying we need to find more quality is actually his biggest weakness as a manager yeah it, it speaks volumes and it, it was bad enough whenever he had his best mate on you know batting from at the start of the show essentially just saying this, exactly the same thing that aston villa need to do something like you know the players the players need to score what we actually need more quality from is the fucking management team and that should be plainly obvious to anybody who has any sort of understanding of the sport. And what exactly does he mean by more quality? Because we've definitely got more quality than Nottingham Forest do on the pitch. And yeah. yet we've managed to score the same amount of goals as they have tonight and created as many chances as they did tonight. Yeah. Let's go to the Vyman meter. Going up has to be Ashley Young, obviously. Going up, I've got 
Emmy Martin is. I mean, <laughs> he had a good save, I remember. And, you know, he was only he was only a goal away from an all-clean sheet. <laughs> Going up, Ezra Kanza. I think probably Tyrone Mings deserves a bit of credit here because he'd come back and it's like Ezra Kanza's coming back. I thought Ezra Kanza were really good tonight and he's been good and he's getting better and he's getting back to himself just very quietly, very steadily. And actually, it's, it's it's very timely as well for, for Steven Gerrard that he is, considering that he wanted one of these two boys out of there. He wanted Diego Carlos in, but the two of them, I think, are equipping themselves well. Although, Tyrone Mings was at fault for the goal, really. Yeah, he was, yeah. To return Mings, I thought you were about, I thought you said Tyrone Mings needs some credit there. You were talking about for Ezra Kahn's performance. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably right. I thought you were about to start praising him for tonight's game. <laughs> he is definitely knocking up the two cock-ups for the goal. Uh, going up, Anthony Taylor for blowing it up as the ball broke outside the Aston Villa box and Forrest were trying to <laughs> score a winner. And Anthony Taylor was having none of it. Now, yeah, Kemi Martinez did stay on to make sure he would save it. Part of the reason why he's also going up, he wanted to show everybody that that ball ain't going in. But uh, like, I don't think the whistle blew and then somebody just had a shot. But Jesus, like Villa were under a bit of pressure there. It was a set piece, just broke outside the box. Beep, beep, beep. Like, if yeah. that was the other direction, I was cracking up. Yeah, you would have been on Twitter straight away. It was, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it was, I felt it was on his right foot as the ref was blowing the whistle. It was a, yeah. it was a mad decision, but it wasn't the only mad decision Anthony Taylor made tonight. <laughs> yeah, going down, take your pick, but McGinn, Watkins, Coutinho standing out to me. Anybody else missing there? Douglas Louise was yeah. a disaster. Yeah. Nah, that's it. I think, I think we've got the cunt there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> questions we can't answer but probably will I mean sometimes when it's bad you want to look around and realise it's bad elsewhere as well and it's always all relative but are we losing one of the most consistent things we have in our life and that's the ability to laugh at Arsenal <laughs> yeah it, it is it is it is depressing now because it was Something that I like to have a, a little go at, and even even since Arteta took over, when it was clear that he was fixing things and he was getting through a lot of shit and he was getting through a lot of players and he was sorting out the culture and he was trying to figure out how this team was going to play, and it was very clear from very early on what he was doing. But like you know, we can't even make the the diet pep jokes or anything anymore because it's just it's not working. They're they're too good a team they're too well set up their young players are really starting to come to the fore Martinelli and Saka are absolutely brilliant to watch because they're so electric Odegaard I remember I texted you at the start of the season saying Odegaard being made Arsenal captain is the most Arsenal thing in the world but he's been <laughs> fucking brilliant the pass inside for the first goal last night was class yeah incredible Xhaka Xhaka has turned into yeah. a professional footballer it's unbelievable yeah. and this is the thing when you look at the team sheet there because Odegaard is brilliant but if you think about it from maybe the first half of last season and you see around the middle you have Odegaard you have Xhaka you have Party, and then you remember that Odegaard is actually really good and Xhaka is a different player and the manager deserves credit for that as well he's developing these players and yeah it just seems like they're just on a completely different level and Pep probably wanted a bit of a challenge so he offloaded a few players towards them to, to, to try and give them some better games twice a season anyway yeah, and your hero uh, Gabriel Jesus was was pretty was pretty good against Liverpool as well. Just to even yeah, like obviously the energy he brings to the team is is completely different to Aubameyang and like a set and like a threat and like a threat and it has and it has changed completely the dynamic of the team. And yeah, they're they're good and thank fuck they are as well because there's not much else knocking around the Premier League at the minute that's going to be able to keep pace with Man City. Last one, did. Stephen Kenny boiled puppies in a former life. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many people cared about the Euro 2024 qualifying draw or really took much notice. In fairness, it's one of England's hardest draws that I can remember in a long time. England are lumped in with Italy, Ukraine. Um, well, that's that's about it, really. But, or sorry, is, is North Macedonia in their, team, in their group as well? 
Yeah, are we are we counting that as going to be a difficult task for him? Yeah, well, they knocked out Italy from the from, the, from this World Cup, so uh, nah, it shouldn't be for England really. But it's it's definitely England's toughest draw. And then there's only one other tough group, so there was ten groups, and the chances of Ireland, who were third seeds, getting getting one team of the top two seeds that they would fancy themselves against at least. It was like at least eighty percent. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a mathematician. I'd say it's probably more than eighty percent. If 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 that spread goes it goes along nicely in those ten groups, but I mean, Ireland somehow, Stephen Kenny somehow has landed Netherlands, France, Greece, the top seeds or the t- t- to the top ranked team in the four seeds, and Gibraltar, which you know Ireland always struggled Gibraltar as well. <laughs> well, they did twice anyway. <laughs> um, and this is a fucking disaster. I have to come top two. To qualify, I mean, they might still end up getting into a, a playoff draw. Nobody will understand why. Nobody ever does understand why through the Nations League, but we don't. We don't know until afterwards. And yeah, they've somehow been lumped with France and Netherlands, and and uh, it seems to be made out that it's Stephen Kenny's fault because he didn't top his Nations League group and do what other Ireland managers have failed to do historically and, and bring Ireland to a place where they'd be second seeds. For Stephen Kenny to bring Ireland to second seed for this qualifying draw, they would have had it they would have had a top their group. So they would have had a suddenly from nowhere this young Ireland team who nobody like a lot of people don't have a fucking clue where half of these players have come from unless you're really involved and looking at the development of Irish football, like Stephen Kenny, they would have suddenly had to have broken through they become a top 16 team in Europe by getting into the top four groups of the Nations League and this has been laid at, at, at Kenny's door now that they haven't done that and it's his fault that they've been put together with France and Netherlands even if he believed that it was his fault which is not I mean he's still completely unlucky <laughs> like, you know, if, he, if he was if he was Norway he would have gotten Scotland or Scotland and Spain like he would have fancied himself against Scotland if he was Armenia who were in Ireland's group, Wales, Croatia, Albania, Czech and Poland. Like th- th- Go through the groups, every other group, apart from the England one, you would fancy it. Yeah, I mean, we were as likely to get Hungary or Switzerland from pot one as we were to get France or Italy from pot two and Greece or Turkey from pot four, but we didn't. We got Netherlands from there yeah. and we got fucking France and we got fucking Greece. It's unbelievable. <laughs> One thing I want to say at the start is that I'm looking forward to a topic, a person, a situation not becoming a culture war. Yeah. Like what, a, what a day that'll be. Like as much as he does have needless detractors, it's undoubtedly the case that he also has needless defenders who want to ignore the reality of the fact that he's overseen three of the top five or bottom five results in our history. And we shouldn't ignore that because that's a legitimate reason to think he's shit. And like I said a few weeks ago, He's asking to be beaten by these teams as well every time we line up against them because we never have the appropriate urgency, aggression or intent in these games. And that's Kenny's fault as well. And he needs to fix it. And the people who like Kenny need to stop ignoring them or saying, oh, it was unlucky, it was a screamer. We need to stop fucking losing to Luxembourg. But a question... <laughs> well, I, I would say I would say that the boys just need to have a bit more quality. <laughs> but, a, a, but a question that the people who don't like Kenny need to ask themselves the people who are blaming Kenny about being third seeds which we always are is do you think Ireland are better than Portugal or Serbia or even Ukraine or Scotland like where do you think this Ireland squad should be finishing in groups of those two sets of teams we're arguing about whether Chidozi Ogbeni or Troy Parrott should be up front for Ireland <laughs> Ogbeni is 25 and he was a right back in League One last year Troy Parrott's been dropped for Shawnee Maguire. He scored his first goal of the season this weekend. It was a mishit cross that took a massive deflection. And then he injured himself celebrating it. <laughs> Prob- probably because he's so inexperienced at celebrating scoring a fucking goal. <laughs> we, we have three Premier League players in our first choice 11. One is our goalkeeper, who made such a mess of an Ollie Watkins finish. That we scored from the rebound. <laughs> what one's a one's a right back whose manager used used his benching as an example in a conversation about another player to explain why he wasn't stupid. I know what I'm fucking doing. I dropped that useless cunt Doherty for fuck's sake. <laughs> and then the other's a centre half who's who's only found out this season that attempting to take someone's heart out with your studs is a foul. 
Scott Hogan has made four appearances for Ireland this year. That's where fucking Ireland is. Uh, yeah. like I, I, I want the manager that'll help us to punch up overweight, but the way people talk about Ireland, it's like they'd expect fucking Alan Wright to take Tyson Fury to full 12 rounds. <laughs> the draw is a disaster. Like, no, like, and people just need to admit that as well. It's not Kenny's fault. Nobody could qualify this team from this group. So we might as well leave a man in charge. He'll promote the younger players, get them battle hard and get them ready for the next campaign, the World Cup, which we won't qualify from because we'll be first seeds. <laughs> we, but we might but we might as well leave a man in charge who won't play fucking Cyrus Christie centre midfield or mm. a 35-year-old Glenn Whelan or a, a 28-year-old Glenn Whelan. But if, <laughs> if we make a fucking game of it against Gibraltar and don't beat Greece at home, then he can do one. But let's remember the laughs we had along the way and go for another manager who actually believes that passing the ball to each other is a good idea. Don't yeah. fucking... Don't, whenever this Kenny project doesn't work out because we don't qualify for a group with fucking France and Netherlands in it, let's not just revert to type and go for some other caveman. Well, unfortunately for you, it's all set up for Ireland not to qualify but potentially leave the questions open are we progressing? Did he do a good job not qualifying? Because we were in with Netherlands and France and this culture war is going to be in the same position come November. And that, that's that's another, what a great, like the Nations League, what a success. We already talked about it, but I mean, what another great quirk of it that these qualifiers are squashed between March and November. That is just mm-hmm. great. Yeah, but a really annoying thing as well about how annoying this draw has been for Ireland is that we ended up in a, in a group with five teams only because we're in with Netherlands who are in the who are in the fucking Nations League final, which just means Ireland are going to be playing friendlies during that period, <laughs> which we're supposed to have gotten rid of for the fucking shambles that's the Nations League. Yeah. Well, that's it. I thought we'd leave that on a cheery note rather than talking about Aston Villa. Um, we are. <laughs> We are two wins in, in nine games to start of the season. We're 16th in the Premier League. We're moving on to Chelsea on Sunday. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I have a feeling I know how that one's going to go. Uh, let's see if we can yeah, get a few crosses into the box. And who knows? Who knows what might happen then? Hopefully somebody will will uh, find a bit of quality from somewhere. And we'll talk about that on Sunday. See you then. All the best. Now